Welcome everybody inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man, the doctor, Justin Quinn. Uh, the NBA Finals are upon us uh, starting Thursday, two days from today. Recording this uh, one day from today. We got an interesting finals. The uh, Toronto Raptors somehow overcame the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in a little bit of a surprise, although uh, maybe not to some people, was to me, but they are there, uh, ready to face off against the Golden State Warriors. Justin, are you excited for the finals? Not even remotely. <laughs> are you going to watch any I, of the games? I, I might watch the last five minutes of, of a game here and there uh, if it's close. Uh, but I don't even expect the Raptors to win more than one game. And that's if, you know, Kevin Durant remains out. They may not even win one game. I, don't, I see all these crazy predictions. Some some people saying things like Toronto and seven even. Look, Toronto has been a super interesting story, but they just do not have the tools to defeat the Warriors, particularly when the Warriors are really, really trying we have to keep in mind that the, the Golden State Warriors just destroyed the Trailblazers uh, four games to zero, down three of their best players. Well, three of some of their best players anyway, heavy rotation guys. So it's not like they had any trouble with really anybody on the entire way here. I mean, they, they had a couple of minor stumbles early, but we let's be honest. We have not seen the best of this team and I am incredibly skeptical that this team is that the Raptors are going to win even two games in the series. What do you think? Yeah. Well, when we talked about this before on the last podcast, uh, that, you know, whether it was the bucks or the Raptors, uh, this was not going to be a long series, five games at most. Uh, and you, you seem to think that the bucks are a better matchup. I think they're a little more well-rounded team. But Kawhi was playing out of his mind, and, and somehow... And, I mean, the Raptors kind of helped him out last series for the first time in the playoffs, whereas he carried the load the first two two rounds. But I, I don't think it really makes much of a difference either way. The Bucks, Raptors, either one of them would, was going to get trounced. Uh, I, I think they maybe they sneak a game at home, but it, this is five games at, at best. But what does that... You know, so what, what does this have for long-term implications in the Eastern Conference? Because now with Kawhi... Going into free agency, or assuming uh, that he doesn't uh, take his player option, right? <laughs> Which I think would be quite a long shot at best. So for, you know, now that the Raptors have made it to the finals, does that entice him to stay in Toronto? They, they rolled the dice on getting him there. They're kind of in a situation sort of where the, where the Celtics are right now and at next year if they did trade for Anthony Davis. Like taking a chance to get a guy on a contract a star on a contract that's ending, you know, now we're going to see what happens. <laughs> what happens when one of these teams makes it to the finals? I um, mean, he brought, he's brought Toronto further than they ever have been. But it, if it's one and done and they end up getting their doors blown off by the Warriors and he just leaves, I mean, was it worth it? For them, I think it was. I mean, we're talking about a team that, as you pointed out, has never made it this far before. They have mm-hmm. some serious baggage based on, you know, the Lebronto collapses, really, if we're being honest, uh, not being able to get past him, not being able to get good free agents. I mean, there was there was uh, people talking about how, how much people hated the, being in Toronto, that like when Vince Carter was there, he was actually calling out his own team's plays audibly so the other team could hear them just in the hopes they would get so sick of him they would trade him. I mean, this is the team that they've been dealing with for decades, basically since it created, at least since it moved, uh, or not moved, at least since it uh, became 
some kind of a team that has been making noise in the postseason in recent years. Uh, so for them, you know, who were staring down a rebuild anyway uh, before they traded for Kawhi, it made absolute sense for them. Even if he leaves, I don't think they're going to care. Uh, even if they don't make it past the Warriors, I don't think they're going to care because it, it's changed the perception of the team significantly uh, in a way that even if they do a complete teardown, I think that people will look at Toronto and Toronto's management differently going forward. So for them, it was worth it. Now, if we're talking about did we make a mistake not dealing for Kawhi, uh, which is something that has been making a lot of rounds lately, uh, it really depends because, you know, the Celtics don't have that baggage. They are the most storied team in basketball, so they have a different look as to what they are trying to accomplish and a run to the finals with a small chance at, at defeating and taking the title is not really worth another four to six years with minimal assets left after someone like Kawhi walks out the door, which he may do even still, even if they win. So in my mind, uh, things are where they should be based on what we knew and what we know. Right. And, and I mean, Toronto isn't, they're, they're not necessarily in the worst position if Kawhi leaves because they can just go full reboot, uh, rebuild mode, excuse me, because they have, they'll have his contract coming off the books, Marcus Saul's max contract coming off the books. They'll, they'll be committed to Lowry only through next season. They could easily deal him and then clean slate, right? I mean, they don't have anybody else signed um, Abaka again, another guy next year is his final year of his deal, which would be a, a definite tradable asset. They could totally move all these guys and just totally blow the thing up. And that's probably the right move if, if Kawhi Leonard leaves. So, I mean, really, they're just kind of at a crossroads and hinging on what he decides to do. Um, and, you know, and then like with those other contracts, they have some some they can move those deals along with some younger players or picks to get someone to play alongside Kawhi if that's the route that they decide to go. So. Um, they're not in the worst situation, even if even if things don't work out. I mean, they'll be back to the bottom of the NBA, but they'd be in a good position to rebuild. Um, so not not the worst case scenario. Um, so as for the Bucks, they made it a step further this year, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, after ultimately being the favorites, I think universally in, in that series, most people thought they were going to win. They had the home court. They came up short. What what does this have for them going forward? I mean, they've got Giannis locked up for several years now. So, and I mean, they did improve this year, but well, how do you think that shakes out for them going forward? Well, you know, they are really only about a season away uh, from the situation that we were looking at with Kawhi, with Anthony Davis, where you, you have to make a decision on whether or not you are going to go all in and throw crazy money after a, you know, a, a real lightning strike of a, of a find in terms of, of not just that player, but that organization. Because let's be honest, I mean, uh, they, they have not been a really relevant team much in the entire history of the NBA and certainly not recently. Uh, so this is their one big shot at doing things. So I expect them to uh, basically throw a bunch of money after this because they should know, they might not, but they should know that if they follow in the steps of you know New Orleans management, for example, then they could find themselves uh, in a lot of trouble trying to convince him to stay and could find him, they could find Giannis uh, basically, you know, he's making all the right, right, you know, noise right now in terms of wanting to stay, wanting everyone back. And they better listen to him. But they have uh, 
you know, players like Nikola Marodic, uh, Brooke Lopez, and Malcolm Brogdon all hitting free agency. Uh, and, you know, at least some of those players are going to be getting uh, much bigger, uh, you know, offers than the contracts they're on now. And they're going to have to really, you know, expand their payroll. It's going to be very expensive. Uh, they're going to make some tough decisions. And really, they don't have any other way to improve the team. Their, their picks aren't going to be very useful. They don't control uh, a lot of other assets. Uh, they won't have cap space uh, because of this. And, you know, it's 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 just going to be really, really difficult for them to build externally. So they have to hope that some of the players that they've taken uh, recently, like Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, uh, like these kinds of players, they, they need to hope that they, they can actually develop into a bit more than they've shown so far. Uh, and, you know, at least with the players like DJ Wilson, uh, there, there's something there. Dante uh, Vincenzo was injured for much of the season, so we don't really know how he's going to work out. He was kind of promising to start. There is at least a little bit of, of you know, potential internal growth to be had, depending on how well uh, they run their internal ship. But they have not a lot of tools besides spending lots of money to go forward with this. So uh, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, another team that came up uh, possibly a little short in, in where they saw themselves, probably saw themselves at least getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. What uh, what happens with them going forward? They're probably in, I think, maybe the worst situation of everybody if everybody if everybody bails, or because they, they're going to have uh, they could they could have a, a real problem on their hands. I mean, really, if anybody bails from their starting unit, then they're going to basically be out of the contention picture uh, and they won't really get any meaningful space to do anything about it if one of Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris leaves. And on top of that, you know, J.J. Redick, who may be 34 years old, but his spacing is absolutely crucial to what they do. They're unlikely even, you know, going into his age 35 season, they're they're not going to find uh, likely anyone on this free agent market market who will be able to, you know, at least be able to hit the shots that Reddick can still, even now, uh, be able to hit. They, they, they don't have any bench. It's not looking like it's going to get any better. Uh, they have very minimal tools, again, to to deal with that. They do, they do still have some draft picks that they can do a little bit with, but not much. Uh, they have very minimal tools to address any departures. So, you know, much like the Celtics would be in a situation if Kyrie Irving were to leave, uh, they would have to use things like sign-in trades to get get people in there. And that would likely mean giving up somebody uh, important to the roster, maybe even Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I've seen some interesting ideas about moving Joel Embiid just based on uh, how much better the team seems to have played without him, uh, at least in terms of floor spacing, if not necessarily winning. Uh, but then, you know, either either situation, which is, you know, really built around moving Simmons or Embiid, neither is a good option. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't see, you know, them doing much better than they have done this season. Yeah, funny, a, a team that was criticized for not having a bench all year uh, could lose three of its starters. So not not great for uh, Philly if, if that comes to pass. Uh, as for Indiana, they had the they lost Oladipo. Obviously, him coming back into the fold uh, improves their team, but you know they're kind of in a different sh- mode there. With, with a lot of things could happen with them, 
Yeah, Indiana, uh, they aren't looking at, you know, too much cap space in the, in the immediate future, but they could probably make a move to get a, a decent free agent in next season. They could probably add someone, uh, if my calculations are right. They're going to be pretty low uh, under the cap uh, with around, even including cap holds of incoming stuff, they will probably be able to add a max player uh, to, to the roster. Uh, but, you know... That is not exactly the best roster. Uh, Oladipo still has to recover, and as we've seen, that can take time when you have a very severe injury. Uh, you know that we're still in, we're still dealing with uh, Gordon Hayward being a big question mark as to what he's going to look like for us next season. So, I mean, they really they have some things to sort out. Uh, there's some questions about how well you know uh, bigs like Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis can coexist, and moving one or the other. Uh, might be a good idea as well. Uh, but again, I don't expect any major movement from them in the immediate future in terms of how they're going to turn out uh, in the regular season records uh, and threatening to contend. So I don't really see them being more than the fringiest of contention, barring an absolute splash in free agency. And for the rest of the contending teams in the Eastern Conference, or at least this year anyways, uh, well, I say contenders very, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I just did the uh, fake quotations here. Uh, the Celtics, uh, they were at a crossroads ourselves. We had the disappointing finish to the season, the playoffs, Kyrie Irving, is he going to stay, is he going to go? Blah, blah, blah. We got all this wrapping, hopefully wrapping up sometime in the next month after free agency. Um, we So... There's been rumors all year, Kyrie to Brooklyn, Kyrie to New York. Now we've got Kyrie to the Lakers. Kyrie, uh, what do you think of the chances? Uh, Kyrie staying versus leaving, where do you put the odds right now, Justin? I mean, there's talk of the super team building a new one in the in Brooklyn or New York or teaming back up with LeBron, which I think is unlikely. Um, but you're hearing all kinds of crazy stuff. we got Rick Buecher talking today um, or yesterday about Kyrie – is going to Brooklyn and there's people that because Kyrie lived in New Jersey and it's still so far from the stadium. People are like, it's, it, it's really open season on, you know, just banana land right now. Um, there's really probably little truth to anything that comes out right now. I'm sure Kyrie is not just telling people, these reporters all what, what his plans are that he's been keeping, uh, this whole time. So, um, you know, what, what, where do you assess the situation right now? I, I think that you hit it right on the head. It's banana land. There's very little. Uh, okay, so what we know, we know that Kyrie can make the most money with the Celtics. We know that there are few, if any, situations that will be better than what he could have if Boston works that will require changes, not just from him, but from other people on the roster. So there is some risk there. And it's not just Kyrie's fault. So we need to consider that. We know all these things. Now, what we don't know is what he thinks of these things or what other people are going to be doing. And that includes Danny Ainge's front office. Uh, so really, when it comes to trying to sort out what, what's going to happen with Kyrie uh, or really any of the moves that Danny might make and what, what that might do to teams like Brooklyn or the Knicks, uh, Let's just be honest. Nobody has any fucking clue, and we can only go what we know. And I think with what we know, which may not be what Kyrie thinks, we have a slight edge. But I'm, I'm just going to 50 percent odds toss up because we really don't know shit about shit. Let's begin. Let's begin. Okay, you give us fifty percent versus the field, right? I like that. 
<laughs> but, but so now, now here's how do you think this all shakes down? Well, let's say we get into free agency. Um, you know, once these guys are available, I, I know well, we just found out today that Anthony Davis is meeting with David Griffin, the new president of the New Orleans Pelicans, to try and uh, assess that situation. Uh, I'm sure Griffin is going to do his best to try and uh, convince AD to stay and that they'll build around him. Seems unlikely that that's going to work, but hey, kudos to the guy for trying. Um, but how is this situation going to break down? So we're going to get into free agency. Kyrie is going to be a free agent. You know, is Danny going to make a move to get Davis and then try to re-sign Kyrie? You know what I mean? Like, I know Danny has said he would make the trade. He would make that trade regardless, uh, whether Kyrie is here, not here. Well, he didn't He didn't use those exact words, but we, we know that to be fact, that he would, he would make, you know, is this something, do you see Danny Ainge making a move for Davis before he has a commitment for Kyrie? Maybe in, maybe in hopes to... Uh, entice him to resign or do you think this is gonna this kind of move is going to um be you know contingent with with Kyrie uh signing and then making the deal for Davis because we know that Davis or at least through his representatives he's he would be open to signing an extension with the Celtics regardless if Irving is here or not now obviously that's open to and committing to is two separate things so how do you think that's going to shake out I think it really depends on David Griffin and the conversation that he has with Anthony Davis. Now, if he can convince him to stay through the trade deadline, then, uh, you know, I think that might be something that actually does happen. It's going to diminish the return, but I don't think it's going to diminish the return that much lower than they're already looking at. Uh, you know, there are some teams out there that I think would be a little less willing to pony up as much, and they will probably lose a little bit of cachet, but... The idea of retaining Anthony Davis, even just as an experiment, even they'll still get something worthwhile out of it. And now that they have Zion in hand uh, in terms of a contract, I think it's a risk that they're willing to take. You know, I think they're well enough set up now, just with the way that they, they have, things have, have worked out for them, that they're willing to at least try that. And they might realistically convince Anthony Davis to do that with them. I put it less than a coin flip, probably 30% at best. You know, that's just not a very realistic scenario in my mind. Uh, but I think they're going to go for it, and they might actually convince him. If they don't, uh, then they will be in a position to get slightly better assets. Now, the question of uh, whether or not Boston is willing to throw someone like Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown into the mix on top of assets uh, or whatever the package looks like. Like, I'm not even going to try to think about what the package is going to look like. If the package is low enough and perhaps the fun we got to have with Clutch Sports this summer mutually shared, despite what Gail Benson publicly says uh, about comments that she would trade AD to the Lakers over her dead body, uh, what, if there is that shared sentiment, and I suspect that that may be a real sentiment despite her public uh, uh statements that diminished their leverage, uh, which is why I think they denied them. Um, I trust Jackie Mack's reporting, even even in this scenario. Um, I don't think that this, this scenario uh, rules out even a preemptory uh, Anthony Davis trade by Danny Ainge. I think they may want to get him into the Celtics organization as fast as completely possible on the off chance they could convince someone like KD, for example, to come in a sign-in trade, whether or not, whether or not Kyrie decides to stay. And if he does, then, dear Lord, 
you know? These possibilities are rare, and I'll discuss another one that really raised some people's eyebrows. Uh, I don't think that this is something that would be doable if we had Anthony Davis here, but it is an option that we can discuss later. So uh, that is a, a nod to both that and the fact that we have no idea how any of this is going to shake out. AD may end up not on our roster, uh, not because of the fact that we don't have the best trade deal, but he may not even be dealt. So there is a real, real possibility that everything and anything that we are talking about is just not going to, you know, be the situation. We may end up running back a very similar roster minus some of the malcontents, uh, Terry Rozier, and who knows who else. Uh, we may we may do anything. So I don't know. Like some other guys that people are talking about are Bradley Beal, uh, which I think is probably the next most realistic option. And it's hard to tell, again, whether or not they're going to be uh, considering dealing players over in Washington with, you know, a front office in, in flux, uh, what what the goals of the owner are, particularly now that he has paid the supermax uh, to John Wall in a spectacular, maybe the most spectacular failure of that that thing to date, and that has really put them in a position where they are finding themselves really unable to do much to grow the team. And now, uh, in a relatively smaller market, are going to have to deal with either de dealing players like Beal uh, to other teams. Uh, but a player that you know I was just alluding to, uh, Damian Lillard. Now, a lot of people think that that seems to be crazy, but if you look at the situation, you know, compared to teams like uh, the Clippers, who said everything wonderful under the sun about Blake Griffin before they dealt him, before he had a, a Supermax deal. I mean, we're, we're talking about players like uh, Rudy Gobert being becoming eligible uh, in the future for Supermax deals that will pay them roughly $50 million per year. And, you know, Rudy Gobert, you can discuss his merits, but then you look at someone like uh, Lillard, who definitely deserves one, but... The question is, can their cap support it? I mean, they're looking at a situation where they will have six, uh, the top six players uh, being $10 million over the cap next season before they even add a Damian Lillard Supermax, leaving 18 or eight uh, slots that they need to fill for the team to have an NBA legal roster. Uh, and eventually they're going to need to do that under a repeater tax scenario, paying eight million dollars for those minimum slots each on top of what they're paying for one of the what will be at that point one of the largest payrolls in the history of the sport the same thing that really led to the cleveland cavaliers breaking up uh last season and i think is going to be a continued issue so yes it would be crazy to to let go of a player like uh damian lillard but if the, the alternative is not being able to realistically challenge uh, for a championship against the Golden State Warriors during the the good part uh, of, of his career, uh, then does it really make sense to then set yourself up for a five to eight year rebuild, uh, just like lingering in the basement uh, in the hopes that you actually finally get another player like Lillard? Or should you, you know, sell sell high and get as many assets as you possibly can for players? with the hopes of, say, like a Memphis pick falling uh, in the top five so you can have another crack at that range. Uh, or, you know, maybe not us, but another team. The The idea that these Supermax players, no matter how good they do, uh, once they get that Supermax, you know, they're tying up at least 35% of the cap and potentially more with 8% raises each year. It becomes brutal, 
absolutely brutal to to find a way to build the team around them uh, that is going to contend. And ironically, this may become as effective as the repeater tax uh, to prevent big market teams from hanging onto these as well as small market teams. And we may actually see some very interesting things happen in the next couple of seasons because of this. Now, I recognize the fact that Portland's situation is really of a team in flux. Their owner, Paul Allen, died before the pre in, before the preseason even started, if I remember correctly. Uh, the, the team is likely going to be sold, so they don't probably give two shits about having a 34-year-old Lillard on a team with basically all the same players they have on it now or guys who rose up from minimum uh, salaries, uh, $50 million a year at the end of the contract extension. Uh, so, I mean, in this situation, there's a very real chance that they actually do end up making this decision. And, you know, even though we saw teams like the Clippers make noise like they were going to give Blake Griffin the Supermax before they moved him wisely, I think, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City uh, and John Wall uh, over over with the Wizards, uh, basically punishing their teams uh, for having done the same. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the situation they're in now, they could get McCollum and Lillard out there for, I think, as many as five or six picks themselves. And they could probably even pick one up a piece for Nurkic and maybe even Maurice Harkless. Uh, you know, so they could really give themselves a good core to build around and instead of, you know, trying to use their own picks and little else and, you know, cap space and have like a five to eight year rebuild, they could be back in it. And as soon as three or four years, if they bite the bullet and pull the trigger. Now, based on how crazy everyone went with that shot and the situation they're in, what do you think Portland is going to do in this situation? Am I crazy to think that they are, are definitely going to give Dame the, the Supermax extension despite the damage it could do to the organization? Or do you think they might actually make a smart move here? Well, I, my thing is I think that the, they can't really move on from Lillard now with the, the, the team just like – made it to the Western Conference Finals here. Finally, like they're it's like they're their two young guys got them to the promised land, almost to the promised land. They I mean they obviously ran into a wall that is the Warriors, but um you know, for the, the I think the fans would revolt if uh if they started exploring ways to move these guys um when it, it when in, in actual I think they 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 got to ride this out and I, I understand they're in you know some cap predicament in the future, but I think that, you know, you, you kind of, you, you can't really, it would just be a bad look for the franchise to finally make it that far. Uh, you know, Lillard's probably got some of the best press of anybody this postseason with the way that he played. And, you know, to move on from him at this point, I think would be, uh, I think that would be a, a big, big problem with the fans over there. So they're basically damned if they do and damned if they don't. Yeah. So what's 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 their, your issue here? So they've got Lillard for two years at what thirty million per give or take twenty nine thirty thirty two. Um, I, I I don't see why the urgency why they have to make the move now. Well, because they offer they can only offer him the supermax extension this summer, and if they don't offer him the supermax extension, oh, I I got you. So you're saying if he doesn't take that, if they don't offer him that supermax extension, he's going to walk after in two years. They might. He might. You know, it's really hard to say now. We've heard how much he rides and dies for for Portland, and that 
that you know that could go south that could easily go south if the the return uh you know if they don't offer that to him then maybe there's a change of heart now there is the possibility that they can uh not offer it to him run it back another season anyway and then just move him regardless of how he sorts out because they'll still have him under contract for another year and that that's a more comfortable middle path. They won't get the same kind of returns they would get with dealing two two younger star players uh, under contract for multiple seasons. So that way you have some time to get them into a system and bought into wherever they end up. But they could still get a pretty decent haul, in my opinion, by just skipping out on the max. So in- yeah. I, I, well, I think that's got to be the play because I, you can't. I don't think you can in, in explore moving those guys, or at least at least not Lillard. I mean, if you thought that you could pair him with somebody better than McCollum or somebody who you thought would be a, a better match, then then I can understand that. But uh, the way Lillard played in this postseason, and you know, going forward, how you you know you, you don't want your franchise to be viewed as that team that you know gave up when his team was was on the rise there. So. I think that, um, you know, t- t- I think that's your best case if, if you go into next year. I mean, and then if your team regresses a little bit, then you can sell it to the fans that, look, we're not going to give this guy $50 million a year and put ourselves in salary cap prison. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little more understandable. But when you're coming off of a trip to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in a long time, uh, I think that's a hard sell. Well, they won't be able to give it to them, him if they again if they don't give it to him. I mean, I guess he could probably qualify again. I'm not entirely sure if you can qualify multiple times for a supermax contract. Uh, I don't know the rules on that. But really, they're in a situation where you know they have they have these guys coming back, uh, or not coming back, but likely to leave in Rodney Hood's Seth Curry and possibly also uh, Alfaruka Minu. Uh, so they don't really have any way to to replace them if they leave. And apart from Aminu, who I think they have bird rights on, uh, you know, Hood and Curry, they don't. So, you know, it, like three and a half and three million roughly each. I think both of them are going to get larger offers than even the 120 percent that the team can offer them. Uh, similarly with Enos Cantor, who is on like the most minimal possible salary uh, they, they will not be able to offer him, you know, much more than a vet minimum contract going forward. Uh, so, you know, they're going to lose some key reserves. Their, their uh, you know, their middle, their, their third best player, uh, as I said, is going to need some time to recover from a pretty gruesome injury. And there's no guarantee he's going to be anywhere near as effective as he used to be. Uh, and, you know, like they won't be able to make any new additions because when, when you put Dame on as a super max extension, that basically gobbles up almost every ounce of cap they're going to have once people like Ed Turner come off. And the West doesn't look like it's going to be getting much, if any, easier easy either. So I don't know. I think it's a call worth making, but I don't think it's really worth spending any more time on because it's incredibly unlikely. Uh, but someone, if not Danny Ainge, should be making these calls to see if a deal can be worked out in that situation. And there may be other deals out there like this uh, that might be had that people aren't necessarily thinking about that, you know, people who are staring at cap sheets all day long and had to make these hard decisions and think about these risks that having a Supermax player might present to your team, they might need to get ahead of these moves in advance. Because like I said, Rudy Gobert, do they really want to have a situation in Utah where they are looking at paying that guy that much money? 
and what's going to happen in free agency when he leaves. So there may be guys out there like this that we aren't even thinking about. You know, the the Lillard thing is more thought experiment than than likely outcome. But you know, with things like the supermax really shaking up how how things might go this summer, uh, be be prepared for not being able to predict in any way how any of this is going to go. Uh, and, you know, as we have suggested in other other situations, we may be looking at, you know, not just Kyrie leaving, but also Al Horford leaving and even Aaron Baines leaving. So we, we really need to think about some of the ways that we can make this team better in very unorthodox ways because it's going it's going to be needed. Uh, but we have all summer to talk about those things. So let's just talk about real quickly uh, our thoughts on the rest of the league now or the East anyway. Now, uh, in, in the East, I really only see one other team likely to enter uh, a reliable playoff picture, and that being uh, Orlando, uh, who will at least have enough cap, cap uh, uh, this summer for an impact player, if not necessarily uh, you know, a top-tier free agent. Uh, and they have good coaching under Carlisle, uh, so I, I don't think it's out of the question that we'll, we'll see them uh, anywhere between like the eighth and sixth slots uh, come, come this time next year. Uh, what do you think? Uh, is there anybody else that we should be thinking about in terms of, you know, the, the the lottery teams this season that are worth keeping an eye on? Well, I, I think Atlanta has a lot of promise in terms of the young talent that they have. They're, you know, it, it's not, uh, they're not in the position, I think, or, Orlando, I think, is was, um, like you said, they're they're in a terrific spot to, you know, make, make a, a, a nice playoff run next year or, or at least move themselves Upward in the Eastern Conference uh, uh, pecking order, should we say. Some of the other teams, I mean, Detroit is going to be interesting to see what they do, building around great Blake Griffin, how they can, you know, um, build around him. Now, obviously, they, they want to go in that direction, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with a full off season of, of putting him into uh, making the situation good there. Anybody stick out to you? I mean, we know the teams that are moving in the wrong direction. Um, what Washington's going to have a lot of trouble, obviously, with uh, with Wall down. Um, you know, they, like you said, we were talking about they may maybe they're going to try and move on from Beal. They're in a bad spot. Um, Cleveland, they're going to be in the dumpster for a couple more seasons, probably. Um, and then the, the Hornets, it's going to what, what's going to happen with Kemba Walker. And uh, it is really going to rely on where they uh, maybe they're in a bad situation if he stays or he goes. Yep. Supermax, once again, you know, they're looking at a situation yeah. that's identical, really, with Lillard with far less talent on their roster and far less success with the talent they do have. So do they really want, again, I think he's going to be uh, 35, I think, in, into his 35th season by the end of that contract. Again, 50 something million dollars for him. Now, he's even smaller than. Don't Lillard. you think that's. Yeah. Don't you think that at some point, you know, we're going to come to the, some of these players are going to realize, I mean, now obviously all of these guys that are stars um, think they're worth the Supermax deals, but I think we're going to come to a point in the NBA where a lot of these guys are going to realize that teams aren't going to give this to just, just because you're the best player on a team, right? I mean, there's, there's what, five guys maybe in the league, six guys that are worthy of having a Supermax deal. Yeah, we're talking about the, the LeBron James, and I mean, at his age now, you don't want him under that contract, but... Um, you know, a Giannis, uh, a Kawhi Leonard. There's, there's like, you know, Kevin Durant, Seth Curry. But beyond that, I mean, is there anybody else you really want to pay that kind of money to? Uh, it, it really, 
you know, that should be reserved for the top guys in the league. And I think what's going to happen is a lot of guys are going to come to realize that these teams aren't just going to give them that deal because they're the best player on the team. And even at the end of their contract, that team still is in a position to pay them more money than any other team, just not that far above and beyond. So, I, I mean, I, I really think that it's going to, I, I, at some point, people are these players are not going to expect that they're all going to get it, even though their agents will try to get everybody that deal. That's, I think, the crux of the matter is this is already having waves to the league that are really, you know, not just against what the original intention was, which was to retain this kind of talent, uh, but in ways that I think... Uh, are going to be very difficult to predict because some of these players, you know, you could actually see a player, for example, like Damian Lillard, uh, being the type of person to realize, hey, if I do take this, I basically am fucking over any possibility, which is already slim, even without the Supermax, of his team being able to do anything to improve to the point where they can even have a realistic chance at contention. Uh, So, you know, I could see players starting to say, you know, actually this is not the best idea in the interests of, of what I can make versus uh, what I hope to do with that money uh, and that opportunity. Uh, but we also might start seeing a lot more teams just saying, no, you cannot have it and we will not give it. We'll give you the full max regular. Uh, we will give you uh, some other benefits and perks, no trade clauses, blah, 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 blah. It may, it may give some more leverage to those kinds of players in negotiating a more rigorous and beneficial regular max deal for them, uh, player options and such where they wouldn't have gotten one in the past. But I think that we will increasingly see uh, exactly what you're describing, more negotiations around the Supermax rather than just a presumption that just because you're eligible for one doesn't mean you're going to get one. I don't think anyone realistically thinks Rudy Gobert, who really could end up getting one, uh, is in any way deserving of one, no matter how good he is on one end of the court. Yeah, and, and, and now this is the thing, and this is supposed to be a tool for, for some of these mid-market and, and uh, teams to keep these players that they drafted instead of them all jumping ship. Um, I, I think this is going to cause problems with guys um, who are eligible for these kind of contracts, but maybe not so much deserving of them. So in a way, it's, it's designed to help these teams out, but it's going to hurt them in other ways because, um, you know, it's going to create some tension where, you know, this this wasn't uh, happening before. So um, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, because because More chaos as if we didn't need chaos already in this Exactly, summer. as if the NBA needed any more chaos uh, in terms of players, <laughs> player movement and whatnot. Uh, we got some Celtics news. Um, Marcus Smart named first team all defense, well-deservingly. I believe that's the first time, right? For... Uh, him getting first team oh no totally absolutely yeah yeah so i mean he's been a um he's been one of the best defenders in the league since he came into the league so uh well deserved there uh Kyrie got second team all nba uh which goes to show you that you know despite the way that his season may have finished he played really well this year so i know everyone's ready to jump off a cliff and uh they want Kyrie out of town because yeah he was a little bit he was quite a bit of, of pain in the ass this year in terms of his dealing with the media. I, I think he started to come around on that towards the end of the season, knew he made some mistakes, uh, but then some shitty play in the second round um, uh, 
turned everybody against him really. So um, I, I just, I would, you know, let's cool the jets. I, I still think we're in a better spot. Kyrie stays. I know everybody's uh, going crazy about his performance in the second round, but he had a really good regular season um, and his highest assist total of his career. So he was trying to get other people involved. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of other factors as to why everything didn't quite work out. I don't think he's our biggest problem at all. Um, we had um, Terry Rogier went on, you know, his first take tyrant. We had magic, follow that up burning the Lakers. Uh, it's, it's so funny because Magic really doesn't want to put the – he loves the Lakers, right? This guy loves them, doesn't want to put them in a bad situation, but just can't get out of his own way trying to clear his own name and, and putting a torch to the Lakers and Rob Palenka, really. And Rob Palenka has, has been you know now doing his own uh, Magic Johnson impersonation by getting – caught out lying through his teeth about a, a reported Heath Ledger dinner that never happened. I mean, he's sitting here selling this completely obvious bullshit sale of, of goods to his own team. And so it just makes you wonder, like, who the fuck is running that show? Jesus yeah, fucking what a, Christ. What a mess. Um, you, you got one, one of, if not the best player in the world on your team. And all this kind of chaos. I mean, and, and this is like the one time you can kind of say that it's really not LeBron's fault that his team is like a media disaster right now. When usually that is the case, yep. right? I mean, he but definitely contributed like to it. He's but. been keeping his mouth shut about this whole thing, um, which pretty remarkable. Hey, kudos to him because, you know, who would have thought that it wouldn't be him at the center of the firestorm? Um, but here we are. I just I'm looking now. I got a question for you. Now we know Rob Lowe is going to play Palinka in the movie about this, right? But does Magic Johnson play himself? I mean, who's going to play Magic Johnson? Magic Johnson always, maybe, always plays himself. But yeah, that's true. I'm well, so sorry. Maybe maybe, I'll show maybe, maybe Michael B. Jordan will uh, pack on some pounds and uh, and uh, we'll age him up a little bit so he can play him in the movie. Um, oh dear. Um, so we got um, our man Danny Ainge is healthy, back at work, just in time when we really need him most. Uh, the his uh, heart attack scare. We know he's he's been eating vegan, as uh, we've seen uh, him comment about. He's on a plant based diet. Um, I don't know if that's permanent or not, but he's certainly trying to get himself into some better health. Um, little maybe uh, maybe some veggie wraps over at Chipotle and stay away from the carnitas. Uh, so, but we need him in good shape going forward, and uh, more importantly than you know than our basketball team for for him and and his family. Our old pal Jason Terry tried to get KG to play in his Big Three team, which is pretty wild. Uh, can you imagine KG playing in the Big Three league? Like, I- I'm pretty sure, I- I'm pretty sure he he could still bring it his team would probably go undefeated oh for sure and i just don't see, i just don't see any motivation for him to do it at this point yeah i think that he, I, I i just it would be too much for him i think he's he's just content <laughs> to, to, get to back share his knowledge whether it's through consulting or you know on air uh commentary i think he's just he's embraced the stage of his life and you know like People should definitely check out the big three. It's super interesting. Uh, it's going to be in Providence uh, this July, uh, but I don't know. I kind of think that the, the time for that would have been in his last uh, season or so in the league. Uh, he, he really w- would have been contributing more, I think, to basketball conversations. But the league, uh, if it did exist then, I don't even think it w- I think it was in its infancy. So 
just a missed opportunity. I think we might see some other some other ex Celtics up in there. Uh, now Jason Terry had Patrick O'Brien on that team, so it would have been uh, a, a fairly Celtics oriented Big Three team, which would have been really cool in my opinion, but um, didn't work out. So. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see uh, who else ends up joining that league. It's a, it's a lot of fun. You guys should definitely check it out. Yeah, definitely. Now, I didn't catch this. You, uh, The Game of Zones came out with a new episode. I haven't seen this one yet, so I'm not going to comment on it. But did you see that Celtics, uh, apparently it was focused on the Seas? It was basically only about the Seas. And uh, with a, a little bit of a nod to the Spurs, it played off of uh, previous moments where uh, Brad Stevens absorbed the the spirit of the Spurs, blah blah blah. And without without giving away too much of it to to those of you who have not seen it, uh, it's a very fair and kind of brutal commentary on the state of the season. Uh, it's not going to do anything in terms of give you goosebumps about what the future might hold, but it'll at least make you feel that. The rest of the league out there and their fans, uh, to you know, they may hate the Celtics on some level, but they also understand exactly what the team went through. Uh, and we're not crazy. <laughs> it really happened. And uh, the, the the ending is honest. You know, we are at a crossroads and who the hell knows how this team is going to look when, when the summer is over. Uh, but we'll have, you know, plenty of shit to talk to you all about uh, on future podcasts, which you can hear if you check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com, uh, where we regularly post a podcast, uh, but we also have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies that you can't get anywhere else. You will be able to get tickets next season under the heading of tickets, but you'll hear all of these uh, incredibly detailed discussions about picks we will not be making and players who will probably never be on our team. Uh, but, hey, you will be able to find that on Wooshka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, and most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe. You don't want to miss all of the conjecture that is going to drive us all crazy. Us too. Don't get mad at us because we are going crazy with you. Uh, you know, and if you are going crazy about something other than all these unknowns, uh, just let us know on CelticsLife.com in an article about the pod, not about the pod, uh, or on Twitter using the hashtag CLPOD. As you know, we're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage the way you want, the way you like it. So, without further ado, we're going to go dig and dig and dig for things we do know so we can minimize the bullshit that is inevitably coming. With that, I am out with Mark Allison. Take care, y'all. Later, guys.